0: man. to the section YY8 podcast it is good to be back there's no Gavin this week you've got negative niece all on your own this week I'll tell you why Gavin has been moving he's in the process of moving houses him and his wife bought a new house so they're they're in the process of getting moved in about 30 minutes before we were getting ready to record tonight Gavin calls me he's got no internet. I don't think he's got a phone charger, he said. He has nothing. He's literally at his house, sitting in an empty house. I'm surprised. I wonder if he's even got electricity. I need to call him and see if he needs like a generator or something. I'm not sure that he has electricity, but anyways, uh, Gavin uh, picked right before Christmas to move into a new house, so I'm sure it's chaos and Gavin is let's just pray for Gavin as he's moving into a new house, but we'll trudge on without him um a lot to talk about on this week's show. Recruiting went on this week uh national signing day for the early signing period happened on wednesday um Tennessee's had a lot of basketball action going on, so we'll look back at that. They've played Colorado they've played. Texas Tech, and they've played South Carolina upstate since we recorded last. So we'll look back at all three of those games, and also Tennessee's going bowling. We haven't been here with you guys since um, the bowl games were announced. So we'll we'll chat a little bit about them. Tennessee versus Purdue. Give you an update on that. We're not going to talk a whole lot about it because I want to save that for the uh, bowl preview show that we're going to do here in the next week or two. So uh, we'll we'll have an update on that. So a lot going on this week, but I wanted to start you know I like to rip on Joe Biden and rightfully so. He says some strange things. It's really weird. I don't know if it's because his cognitive ability is declining with age. Um he might have some dementia problems it seems to me like he does. He he doesn't know where he's at, I think most of the time. He's not really the president. Let's just be honest. He's not. He's not the president of the United States. He has handlers. He constantly says, they told me I can't do this. They told me I can't do that. He's not doing anything. The gaffes that he comes out with, just incredible. I mean, you do laugh at him, but it's also, it's sad. It's really sad listening to him. A couple have caught my eye. He had another one this week, and I wanted to play two of them for you. Listen to this gaffe, which came from earlier this week. I I, I don't know the background or the context of what he's talking about, but I'm assuming it's trying to get whoever he's talking to fired up for the midterm elections next year. But just take a look, or sorry, take a listen to what he said earlier this week. Now we look at 2022. I want to tell my Republican friends, get ready, Val. You're going in for a problem. Wow. Get ready, Bal. You're going in for a problem. That was his exact words. Get ready, Bal. He means pal, obviously, P-A-L. He says, Bal. B-A-L. It's really pitiful. The guy can't put coherent sentences together. He can't read teleprompters. He reads a teleprompter like Ron Burgundy. Remember Ron Burgundy from Anchorman? When he read his name as a question, because somebody accidentally put a question mark. I'm Ron Burgundy. And then Veronica, later on, to spite Ron, puts go F yourself San Diego into the teleprompter, and Ron reads it. This is Joe Biden. Joe Biden is Ron Burgundy reading the teleprompter. Whatever you put in the teleprompter, he will read the next one I'm going to play for you is even better than this one. If you're done laughing, if you need to, pause to get the laughter out of you. But the next one's even better. Take a listen to this one. No global expression, time is money. As one computer said, if you're on the train and they say Portal Bridge, you know you better make other plans. I, I, I mean, what? What did we just listen to right there? As one computer said, if you're on the train and you hear Portal Bridge, what is he talking about? (laughs) it, It is really sad and pathetic that that is the president of the United States. If you voted for him and you're listening to this, is this what you really wanted? Did you hate Donald Trump, the rightful president, so much because he tweeted Some things you didn't like? Did you hate him so much that you wanted this? Did you want soaring inflation? The worst inflation we've had in over 40 plus years? Maybe even since World War II? Did you want rising crime? Did you want the borders being wide open at the southern border? Did you want the debacle in Afghanistan? Is this what you guys wanted? If you did, congratulations, you got it. How about Biden this week not um, not keeping another campaign promise? He's not going to uh, forgive your student loan debt. So if you voted for Biden and you got student loan debt and you voted for him because you thought he was getting rid of it, another big L for you guys. I, I really feel sorry for you. All right, enough sleepy Joe Biden talk. We're going to get into uh, Tennessee athletics, which is what this podcast is really about even though we do make fun of Joe Biden. I make fun of Joe Biden. Gavin makes fun of Kentucky. We combine the two. It makes for great podcast radio. It really does. We have a blast making fun of Kentucky. And by the way, prayers to the state of Kentucky out in western Kentucky after the tornadoes hit. All joking aside, that that was terrible. But Gavin makes fun of Kentucky football, Kentucky basketball, And, uh, I make fun of Joe Biden and they both rightfully deserve what they get. But, uh, so earlier this week, it was a national signing day for the early signing period going into the day. We didn't think much, or I didn't, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. I guess I should say Tennessee coming off of what was going on this time last year with Gump being in charge Having to leave when he did kind of put us in a tough spot. Just think about where this program was last year. Yes, Gump was still here. We were still playing football games. We were mired in probably the worst season in Tennessee football history, not counting the 2017 season when we only won four games. We went 3-7 and last year. We were selected to go to the Liberty Bowl, opted out because of, quote, COVID, the China virus, I'm doing air quotes in here in the studio, but we opted out of that because of all the crap that was going on around us. Ends up, Pruitt has to be fired, Gump is gone, thank God, but just think where this program was last year. I, I wasn't sure going into last season if we were going to have enough players to even play. It kind of reminded me of Rick Barnes' first year after Donnie Tindall had to be let go because of his scandals. Rick Barnes comes in. He's just getting anybody he can to transfer in, walk-ons, whoever it may be. He's just trying to come in and get people to play. Didn't have a great year, but they they weren't the worst team around. He had Kevin Punter, who had a fantastic year. And really, uh, Rick Barnes, or Kevin Punter, has credited Rick Barnes with turning his uh, basketball career around. He's made some good money overseas. Playing basketball, he restructured his shot, reshaped how he shoots the basketball, and made that kid a lot of money. Um, But I kind of, you know, you think about it, looking back at where we were this time last year, it was kind of a similar situation. Tennessee is scrambling to find players. We're hitting the transfer portal. We're not sure who's going to play quarterback. Are we going to have enough defensive linemen? Are we going to have enough linebackers to get through the season? If you would have told me last March after the spring game, I'm not real sure what's going on with this program, which is one reason I, I, I picked us to win five games back in the spring, or sorry, back in the fall. But I really wasn't that confident about it because you're just a handful of injuries away from being a terrible football team. But give Josh Hopple some credit. He was able to keep things together. He was able to hit the transfer portal portal up between him coming in last year and the start of the season. And he continued the momentum from getting those guys and had a fantastic season, especially on the offensive side of the football. But they went 7-5. and They're going to the Music City Bowl to play Purdue, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But offensively, Tennessee and Josh Heupel and his staff turned some heads. And you could also say, and credit to Rodney Garner, who we'll talk about here in a second, I know they gave up a lot of points on defense. That's college football. That's football in general these days. Look at scores in the NFL sometimes. They're really high-scoring games anymore. But Matthew Butler on the defensive line, Byron Young on the defensive line this year, had really good seasons. And I think a lot of that credit goes to Tennessee's coaching staff, especially Rodney Garner, the guy's known for putting guys in the NFL. And I think that's what you were able to see this week in signing day, Tennessee was able to pull in a couple defensive linemen that I didn't think coming into the week there was any chance we got or any chance we'd get. The first one was Tyree West. He's a defensive tackle out of Tifton, Georgia. He's a four-star recruit, 6'4", 280. He has a national – he's the number 97 overall national player – Number seven at his position, and ninth overall player in the state of Georgia, which is known for some really good high school football. He had offers from Alabama, Arizona State, Arkansas, Auburn, just to name a few. Um, Going on down the list, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Florida State, um, Kentucky, LSU, Michigan State, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I mean, he had offers from all of these guys. But he chose Tennessee. Why, because I think you got two factors, Rodney Garner and possible early playing time now, I don't know if he's if he's good enough to to play right away or not, but this was a steal he was committed to Georgia, so we went in Georgia's backyard, which uh Tifton Georgia, looking at the map here is kind of down toward southern Georgia, but that was a big big steal for Tennessee there because. That's how you win. What I know it's offensive. It's an offensive game now, but you win in college football with interior linemen, offensive and defensive linemen. The next one was kind of a late one the, on well, this afternoon. This is Wednesday night. James Pierce, a defensive end out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He's number 164 overall, according to rivals. Not that his position, fifth in the state. He had 18 total offers. Um, He was in town, I believe, for a visit this past weekend. Had offers from Arizona State, Coastal Carolina, East Carolina, Florida, Florida State, Louisville, Michigan State, Mississippi, Missouri, and Ole Miss, just to name a few. Um, I I don't – he wasn't committed anywhere. It doesn't say who recruited him, but I I don't think that this was a guy that anybody thought was coming to Tennessee. So a big steal for Tennessee. He's a – Weak side defensive end, 6'5", 220 pounds, so one of those edge pass rushers that Tennessee desperately needs. Um, In this offense that we run, you got to put pressure on the quarterback. Another player we stole this week from Auburn, Justin Williams, a four-star running back out of Dallas, Georgia, He's number eleven overall at his position, fifteenth in the state. He is six foot, two hundred six pounds. Uh, he was co- previously committed to West Virginia. I think there was more of a chance that he was coming to Tennessee than not, especially after he he decommitted a few weeks ago after a visit to Tennessee. I believe he was in for the South Alabama game, um, but he had offers offers from Arkansas, Auburn. It um, looks like Louisville was in there, Michigan State. I mean, you name it, he had offers from him. So, um, you know, obviously turned down Auburn. He was recruited, it says here, by Cadillac Williams, former Auburn running back great. But uh, visited there on December 3rd and visited again in Knoxville this past weekend, December 10th. But a big get there for Tennessee, an explosive running back. Uh, something Tennessee needs after losing Ty on Evans last year to go along with the other guys we've got in the lineup coming back next year. Tennessee overall, so after all said and done today, and I was talking to some guys earlier in the week, and you looked at Tennessee's recruiting ranking as a team as the last week or so fluctuated. They were at 19, they went up to 16, they dropped back down to like 18, So today I was watching it when I could here on Wednesday when the recruits start coming in. After Tennessee gets one or two guys, it starts flowing upwards. We're up to 15. We're up to 13. So according to rivals, we're at 11, finished at 11. And according to 247 Sports, we're at 13. Now this could change because Tennessee only signed 20 guys there's still room to sign more. There could be some guys sign, you know, before February or at that fir- that February deadline. Probably not going to sign many more guys, but you got to think Tennessee's going to hit the transfer portal. You know, there's plenty of opportunities to play right now at Tennessee, and there's got to be some guys out there that possibly want to come here. So we'll see what Tennessee does as far as the transfer portal goes. But... I think overall an excellent first year for Josh Heupel and his coaching staff. While it's not as highly rated as some other SEC schools, I think it was still a very good class for Tennessee. Considering where we were this time last year, like I said earlier, this program was a mess last year. So coming in where we're at right now, I think it's fantastic. Looking at the rest of the rankings in the SEC, you've got – This is nationally. Alabama comes in at 1, obviously, every year. Texas A&M 2, Georgia 3. The next team in the SEC is Kentucky, Gavin School. Comes in at 10th nationally. When have we ever seen that? And then Tennessee's 11th, followed by Arkansas at 12. Mississippi State at 13. Future SEC member Oklahoma at 14. And Auburn at 15. They're down a little bit in recruiting this year. Other SEC programs you see is Missouri at 18, South Carolina at 21, LSU at 27, Ole Miss at 31, Lane Train struggling a little in recruiting, not where they want to be, obviously. Florida, this was an interesting one. They've had a lot going on down there. Coaching change, players leaving. I saw Emory Jones left earlier this week. They've lost some other players. They were in the 70s earlier this week in recruiting. Now, after they've signed some players, which it looks like they've only signed 10, they're at number 47 nationally. So all things considered, I think Tennessee had a really good day. I'm not going to call it just excellent. Like I said earlier, it was probably a wrong choice of words, but... Considering where everybody else finished around him, I think it was a very good day for Tennessee. We'll see what Josh Hoppel is able to do in the transfer portal coming up over the next few weeks. But Tennessee's going to turn their attention to the bowl game, and we'll talk about that later. And um, just continue the positive momentum of this program. Hendon Hooker's back, Tillman's back at wide receiver. So a lot of positive momentum. And I know Gavin and I will talk about this later on. I when he's back, but I saw some projections already for next year. Tennessee's going to be favored to win nine of their games next year. So we play 12 games next year. We're going to be favored to win nine. You're obviously going to be favored to win the non-conference games. But we go to, we go to Pittsburgh. That's a game we're going to be favored in. We're going to be favored when we go to LSU more than likely. Who knows what LSU will be like under new head coach Brian Kelly, but there's a lot of positive momentum going into next year. And when you go off of just the projections and what games Tennessee are favored in next year, we're going to be favored in nine of the 12 games. You're obviously not going to be favored against Georgia or Alabama. But all the rest, I think Tennessee's got a legitimate shot to win. Obviously, other programs did a lot for, for themselves. South Carolina's added former Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Radler, and a tight end came with him from, from Oklahoma. Could South Carolina be better? I don't know that he has anybody to throw the football to or anybody that plays defense. But South Carolina got a little bit better as the year rolled along, even though they didn't really play anybody. That's a team to keep your eye on in the East. Kentucky's a team to keep your eye on in the the East. They've won eight or nine games the past few years in a row. They're recruiting a lot better level. I mean, obviously this year they've recruited at a very high level. They're 10th. So other teams besides Tennessee had a good day and, and other teams to keep your eye on. But just looking at Tennessee's schedule next year, we're going to be favored in a lot of games. Tennessee has a legitimate opportunity next year to win eight, nine football games. A lot can change between now and the start of next year. And we'll see how that goes. But just looking at it right now on paper, nine games is very achievable and very doable for Tennessee football next year. So we'll obviously talk more about that as the weeks and months go on, especially when Gavin's back, want to get his take on it. We'll obviously talk more about that. Let's get into Tennessee basketball real quick before we get out of here. Tennessee has played three games since we last recorded. They played Colorado out in Colorado, won that game 69-54. Then they went up to Madison Square Garden and lost to Texas Tech in overtime, 57-52 in the Jimmy V Classic, then came back to Knoxville. i have actually played four games since we recorded last. I forgot about this one. They played UNC Greensboro this past weekend won that game 76 to 36 and then beat South Carolina upstate from Spartanburg. Beautiful Sparkle City, Spartanburg, South Carolina, won that game 96 to 52. Shout out to all my Spartanburg friends, my pretty much my second home over there. I'm known in many places, but Spartanburg I'm I'm very well known. I'm very well received there. Spartanburg citizens love me. They always ask when I'm coming around So I'm there quite often, a couple times a year. I should be there soon, hopefully around Christmas time. So if you're in the Spartanburg, South Carolina area listening to this, I'll be over there. I'll announce when I'm there. And if you're there, hit me up. But um, Tennessee Basketball went out to Colorado a couple weeks ago, and I thought they played a really fantastic game. I went back and watched this game after it happened because I didn't get to watch it live. Kennedy Chandler absolutely played fantastic that game. 13 of 20 from the field, 27 total points. Just an outstanding game. Colorado had no answer for him. Viscovy that game had, th- or, sorry, Vescovy, 13 points. John Fulkerson chipped in with 10. That was a fantastic game for Tennessee because every time Colorado made a run, it was Tennessee's first true road game if you think about it, since two years ago. Because last year, yeah, they played on the road, but there was hardly any fans in the stands because of the silly China virus rules. So it was really Tennessee's first true road game in a couple years, and I thought Tennessee responded really well. They made shots. When Colorado would make a run, they made shots. Tennessee shot the ball fairly well at a very high clip. First half, they were... 16-33 16 of 33 from the field, 48% second half 13 of 28, 46%. Overall they were 47% from the field. They were 6 of 24 from three-point range, which has been a bugaboo and we'll talk about it in a minute. So they only shot 25% that game, but you know, they got 16 points off the bench, 21 points off turnovers, 42 points out of the 69. Nice. In the paint, so I just thought it was an outstanding game by Tennessee. I thought they played really well. And then they traveled back east for the Jimmy V Classic at Madison Square Garden, the Mecca. I was really looking forward to this game. Tennessee playing in Madison Square Garden. Good event that they've had for years. Jimmy V Classic and Tennessee just could not throw it in the ocean. Actually, n- neither team could throw it in the ocean. Tennessee, from the field, 19 of 61 for 31%. It really felt like it was worse than that. They were 5 of 27 total field goals in the second half, 18%. They were 11 of 29 in the first half. Three-point field goals were even worse. They were 4 of 24 total. At one point, they were two of 20, so they went two of four their last four shots. Um, they were three of 11 in the first half, one of 12 in the second half, and 0 oh and 1 and o- over one in overtime. If you look at Texas Tech, they weren't much better. Actually, I'm sorry, I read Texas Tech stats. Those were pretty dismal 19 of 61 from the field, four of 24 from three point range, 15 of 25 from the foul line. Just think if Tennessee or if Texas Tech made two or three more field free throws, that game doesn't even go to overtime. Let's look at Tennessee stats. They're even worse. 19 of 71 from the field, 26%. 6 of 39 from three-point range, 15%. Tennessee from the foul line, 8 of 16, 50%. Kennedy Chandler was pretty much non-existent in this game with nine points. He was 4-13 of from the field. He really sh- – and this is what's going to bother Tennessee going forward. I worried about this at the start of the year, which is why I was so hoping that Kamwa had upped his game this year, and we thought he may have. He has these fantastic games, which we'll talk about here in a second, against these lower-level teams, but he's done nothing. Against like Texas Tech, he had two points. Against North Carolina, I believe he had seven or eight points, but he fouled out. Against Villanova, he had two points. Um, he just He's not able to step up his level of play when the competition gets a little bit be- be- better. And I, I mean better. I'm talking about your Villanovas, your North Carolinas. Later on this weekend, Tennessee's got Memphis State. We've got Arizona coming up. You get into s e c play alabama auburn kentucky l s u he has got to help us out another one that's gotta help us out is Brandon huntley hatfield, and I know he's supposed to still be in high school he reclassified. I'm interested to see that guy's development as we go along, but our our post play in that Texas tech game really worries me because we just don't have the bodies down low. To compete against some of these teams that have a lot of length. And we're going to run in to a team with a lot of length and athleticism this weekend against Memphis State. So Tennessee's got the key to Tennessee is and, and you can say this about anything, they got to make shots. Tennessee's a perimeter oriented team. They gotta make they've got to make these three point shots when they're open. I'm not saying they have to hit every single one. But it seems like more often than not, when they're playing on the road and neutral sites, they're just not shooting the ball well. But it's college basketball right now; it's so up and down. The number one team in the country's lost a couple different times this year. Alabama earlier this week lost to Memphis. Alabama was six; Memphis was five and four. Lost four in a row coming into the game, and and Memphis State run them out of out of the FedEx Forum. So anything can happen. It's going to be an up and down, topsy turvy. Basketball season, Tennessee just needs to continue to try to find a way to shoot the basketball better and on a more consistent basis. I know there's going to be nights where you just can't shoot, but you can't go 6 of 39 from three-point range and expect to win. I mean, and it's not like they took bad shots that game. They were open. They had good looks at the basket. They just couldn't score. They just could not put the ball in the basket. But Tennessee was able to put that Texas Tech game behind them, come back with a 40-point win over UNC Greensboro this past Saturday at Thompson Bowling Arena, and then then earlier this week with a 96-52 win over USC Upstate. So as I mentioned, we've got some tough games coming up. There's no doubt about it. Tennessee's toughest stretch of basketball is right ahead of them. This weekend versus Memphis State, Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. Going to be a big-time atmosphere, even though Memphis is just 6-4. They're a dangerous team. They played really well against Alabama earlier this week. Big game for both teams. Big rivalry game. And then next Wednesday, number 11, Arizona, comes to Thompson Bowling Arena. Huge. At the start of the year, you didn't think anything about this. Arizona's got a new coach. They're down. A lot going on. Nope, they're 11th in the country last I saw. Big game next week in Thompson Bowling, Arizona Wildcats come to Knoxville. Then Tennessee starts off SEC play one week later at Alabama. We know what Alabama's like. Athletic, can run and gun, can shoot the three ball well. They don't play very good defense. But in that system you don't have to. Then we go we've got Ole Miss at home a game Tennessee should win. You go to LSU. That's a tough game. LSU's undefeated right now, 9 0 as of this broadcast. They've snuck their way back into the top 25 with cheating Will Wade. So the next five games for Tennessee is going to be tough. You've got Memphis State in Nashville, Arizona in Knoxville, Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Ole Miss in Knoxville, and then back on the road to finish up the five game stretch with LSU. They're going to have a breather. In between another big game, you've got South Carolina sandwiched in between LSU and at Kentucky. And then you've got Vandy sandwiched in with another trip or another game against LSU in Knoxville. So Tennessee's got a tough schedule. This SEC basketball league is tough anymore. Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, I mean, any of those teams, I think, are capable of making deep runs into March, whether it be the SEC tournament or the or the Big Dance in the NCAA tournament. Those teams, every one of those teams I listed, are capable of making a run. You've got Florida, who has has been better this year. They're so up and down. They lost to South Texas State or somebody. I don't know who it was. Other not just an embarrassing loss. Game start, that game started at like 5 o'clock. I can't remember who they lost to, but tough games coming up for Tennessee. They've got Texas later on here in a few weeks in late January. That'll be a big game down in Austin, but tough five-game stretch coming up for Tennessee basketball. We'll see how they do. All right. As I mentioned earlier, Tennessee's going bowling again. Not, not bowling like the person, but bowling as in a football game, Tennessee versus Purdue in the Music City Bowl. We've not been here since it was announced. We've not been with you since the the game was announced a few weeks ago. Uh a game Tennessee has every opportunity to win. I think it's a matchup that yeah, it's it's a tough matchup. Purdue's 8 and 4. They've got a couple nice wins this year over over Iowa and, I believe, Michigan State. So, uh, they had a pretty good year. And Tennessee's had a great year also. It's two high-powered offenses. Now, I will say that it was announced earlier that, and I'm trying to find it here, Purdue's top two players have opted out of the Music City Bowl. Wide receiver David Bell... And defensive end, George Carliftis. I don't know how you say it. They've opted out of the bowl game to prepare for the NFL draft. Carliftis, um, my God, however you say it, according to what I'm reading, is a havoc-wreaking defender projected to go inside the top ten in April's draft after capping a stellar career at Purdue. Despite missing all but two games in 2020, he accounted for 94 tackles, 13 sacks during his career. 6'4", 275-pound edge prospect appears to be a camp miss prospect at the next level. You'll hear his name early on on day one. Um, it also says quarterback Hendon Hooker for Tennessee will definitely have more time to throw now. Um, it says Bell was a dynamic or is a dynamic offensive weapon for Purdue. He caught 93 passes for 1286 yards and six touchdowns this year. Uh during his career, he caught 232 passes for 2946 yards and 21 touchdowns. Um Tennessee's catching a break in this um in this game missing those two guys. They're they're good football players and uh Tennessee's missing missing or getting a golden opportunity to take advantage of that. Um Tennessee will be without Alante Taylor in the game, but so far he's the only Tennessee player that I've read that has opted out of the bowl game um, against Purdue here in a couple weeks. So Hendon uh, Hooker announced last Sunday that he was coming back. So big get for Tennessee. Hendon Hooker is not leaving. He'll be back next year to build on what was a fantastic campaign Cedric Tillman's announced he's coming back at wide receiver. Another big keep for Tennessee as they look to build on the momentum for the direction of the football program. So a couple news and notes. And it's not even dealing with current Tennessee players or coaches. But I saw this story and I thought I would share it with you guys. And by the way, in the Music City Bowl, Tennessee started as a three-point favorite it's gone up to four and a half point favorites for Tennessee. So Tennessee will be the designated road team in this game. Uh, be interesting to see what uniforms we wear. Like to see those those uh, all white stormtrooper jerseys. Or oh, I wouldn't mind the orange pants either. But we'll talk more about this as we go on. Section YY8 will be the Section YY8 podcast crew will be minus Gavin will be at the Music City Bowl in Nashville. We'll uh, let everybody know where we're going to be at as we head out to the Mid-State to watch the Volunteers take on the Boilermakers at Nissan Stadium. So back to the story I was talking about, this involves a former Vol player and coach. And it looks like, according to this article, it involves two former Tennessee coaches. Former head coach Lane Kiffin... The Lane Train could be targeting another former Tennessee coach and player for its open offensive coordinator position for his staff at Ole Miss. Jeff Lebby, as some of you may or may not know, left to go to Oklahoma with Brent Vittables. And now the Lane Train's looking for an offensive coordinator. And according to numerous, numerous reports and hot boards, T. Martin, top candidate. And this is from Ole Miss' 247 Coordinator hotboard. I did not know this. T. Martin is currently a uh, wide receivers coach for the Ravens in the NFL, and he's viewed for a candidate at various positions just a year ago, including the South Alabama head coaching job. So um be interesting to see if T. Martin ends up – I was trying to see when this was published. It was published just a few days ago, so it's not that old – so we'll see if Ole Miss picks up on T Martin. It'll be interesting to see. Another, this is Tennessee basketball news. And this was a weird story when it came out earlier this week. I I didn't know I, I didn't think it was real when I first saw it, but it is. And of course it's just speculation. But the son of former or former, the son of current NBA star LeBron James, Bronny James, has supposedly talked to folks, mentioned that he's interested in coming to Tennessee. For those that don't know, he's a guard at Sierra Canyon High School in Los Angeles. He is a f- four-star prospect and the 38th overall player in the class of 2023. Still a long ways away from him coming in here, uh, but there was a report that came out Sunday that got a lot of conversation going on social media. Look, whether you like LeBron James or not, this really isn't an about LeBron James. In my opinion, this is about Tennessee basketball and does this kid fit into our program or not. Um, I was reading more about this earlier this week. He's basically off limits to the media, he's not even put out a list. This is just a list of teams he's believed to have interest in, and it includes Duke, Ohio State, and Texas, among many others. But the, the four that were named were Duke, Ohio State, Tennessee, and Texas. That says a lot about the Tennessee basketball program and what Rick Barnes has been able to do while he's been here. That LeBron James' son, who is a very highly sought-after basketball prospect, His name is, I mean, he's on ESPN. His name's out there all the time. He's LeBron James' son. And I think that says a lot about what Rick Barnes and Tennessee's been able to do in the time that he's been here, that we're able to get looks from players like that. Think of the exposure Tennessee basketball would have if LeBron James' son comes to Tennessee. LeBron James is going to come to a game or two in Knoxville when he can. If he's not playing, if he's off, He's going to come to a game in Knoxville. There's going to be a lot of media exposure, a lot of ex- exposure in general to the Tennessee basketball brand if LeBron James' son comes here. Is he a fit for the program? I don't know. I don't know enough about him. I'm sure Rick Barnes and his staff will do their work. He seems like he's a, a, a guard, which Tennessee has done a really good job of recruiting that position and developing that position over the last few years. If he was a post player, I would have my doubts about him coming here because besides Grant Williams and maybe Admiral Schofield, Kyle Alexander maybe, have we developed anybody since that team at the post position? I don't think we have. The guys over at Vol Basketball Fever Podcast mentioned this earlier last week in their episode. There's been a lot of swings and misses by Rick Barnes and his staff. You can't just say it's Rick Barnes and his staff as well at Big Men. Derek Walker, DJ Burns, where are those guys? Eurosh is a complete waste of space down low for Tennessee. He's looking to pass or get rid of the ball. It's like a hot potato in his hand. He can't dunk. He's 7'5 and can't dunk it. But if he was a post... If Bronny James was a post player, I would have my serious doubts about him coming... To Tennessee, even considering Tennessee, but with him being a guard wing player, don't put it past him coming here. Rick Barnes has a track record of developing those guys at a really high level, putting them in into the into the league, into pro basketball somewhere. Kevin Punter was a player I mentioned earlier. That guy wasn't going to play pro ball until Rick Barnes got here. Just face it. He's put other guys in the pros. Jordan Bone. Jordan Bowden, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer. I mean, just in his short time in Knoxville, he's been able to to help some guys get to the next level, whether it be the, the G League overseas or the NBA. There's some guys making some money. Grant Williams is a post player. Yes. Kyle Alexander's playing G League. Yes. Yves Pons scored his first basket for the Grizzlies the other night. So this thing about the guys Tennessee's put into the in the pro ranks the last few years, they're mainly your guard slash small forward type player. Tennessee's got a lot of work to do developing big men, which is why it's such a key to see how Brandon Huntley Hatfield develops over this year and going forward. I think he's definitely a guy that can be an NBA type player one day, but we'll see if he can or not. All right, a couple shout-outs before we go. A lot of listeners of the show have been wondering where we were at. I told you Gavin's been out. I was waiting on Gavin last week, wasn't able to record because I waited too late for Gavin and uh, wasn't able to get him in. So I had to come back this week because everybody's asking, when are you going to record again? When are you going to put one out? So I I felt obligated to put this out. I had to put it out for the people. It's why we're here. We're here for you, the people. A uh, couple shout outs. I want to give a shout out to some people. Dustin Parker listening to the show. He asks about it every week. Listens every week. Shout out Dustin Parker for listening. Um, also Joey Cox. Shout out Joey Cox. Longtime listener of the show. If we can just get him figured out how to subscribe to the podcast. Maybe he won't have to text me every week and ask me when it's published. For those that don't know, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Google, or you can go to Podbean and it'll send you direct it'll send a message to you direct to your phone, a push notification. Anytime I publish this thing, it'll pop right out. Also, shout out to Brett Stanton. Brett Stanton, listener to the show, finished second in our college pick'em group. So I do a college pick'em group. My uncle puts it together. There's 50 players, give or take a few, every year. Brent went through the entire season, worked his way up the ladder, finished second. It actually came down to the USC-California game. Last game of the regular season, Pac-12 after dark. I believe that Brett picked USC and the guy that ended up winning picked Cal... Cal ended up covering that game. Brett lost. He would have tied for first if USC would have won, but USC sucks this year, and they let Brett down. But anyways, fantastic season for Brett. He went 97-74, and 74, finished second. Uh, only two games out of first. The, the winner of the league went 99-72. My team, Section YY8, we struggled the last two weeks of the season. Had a great year. I was... Just a couple games out of third out of finishing on the podium. the last two weeks we uh, hit a brick wall and went six and 20 and finished 88 and 81 on the year. still a good year. Big Montana was right behind us. We finished seventh. Big Montana right behind us in eighth with an 88 and 83 record. Um, let's see if there's any other listeners on the show. Redneck Jedis 84 and 87 finished 21st. Bookie eighty eight, another listener of the show finished twentieth, eighty five and eighty four, and another listener of the show you only Yolo once, Thomas Reigns finished thirty second with an eighty two and seventy seven record, and I believe that's about it, uh, folks. I know on here that uh, play this game, but it's a really cool, cool uh, pick sheet we do every week. You pick twelve college games against the spread. Just makes the games more interesting, and uh, if you're interested in joining, hit me up. We usually do it every college football season. So, that's this week's show. I hope that Gavin's back next week. We got to have Gavin back on the show. I've got a lot to, a lot of questions for him about moving into the new house, what he thinks about recruiting. What does he think is going to happen in the in the Music City Bowl coming up? So we'll talk about that. Got to get him back next week. So if you see Gavin, you know Gavin, pressure him in to get moved into his house. Tell him to get his Christmas tree up or tell him not to worry about it. Get his bed. Get his kitchen hooked up. Get his bed installed. And then get back on the show. We need him back. But we'll be back next week to talk Tennessee basketball. We'll look back at their game against Memphis State in Nashville over the weekend. We'll look ahead to Tennessee. More talk, Tennessee versus Purdue in the Music City Bowl. So um, it's a busy time of year. Football is technically over until the bowl game, but there's still a lot of news and notes going on with Tennessee football recruiting, bowl game coming up. What's Tennessee Got to look forward to in the offseason. We'll talk about all that and more coming up, but I appreciate everybody always listening to the show. We're getting more and more listeners. We're steadily working our way up. If you're new to the show, appreciate it. Tell all your friends about us. There was some drama within this silly Vol Twitter group last week. And I won't mention names, but just a terrible tweet was put out by a certain member of Vol Twitter. Very offensive to folks in the mid state. West Tennessee that were affected by the tornadoes. That guy's on another podcast, apparently another Tennessee podcast. Apparently that podcast fired him, um, but still, just not a good look. So if you're looking for a podcast to to stay tuned to that you're going to enjoy, we're not going to belittle people except Joe Biden and Kentucky fans. Then this is our show. So if you're new to the show, if you I saw some guys tweeting the other day that they can't find a good Tennessee podcast. And I had to send the guy a message. I was like, you're following us. Why aren't you listening to the show? He never responded. But um, appreciate everybody listening. Spread the word if you're listening to the show. I know it's a little boring with me on here. It's better with Gavin. It's better with guests. Gavin left me hanging so late that I couldn't find anybody to uh, help out this week. But, yeah, if you're looking for a podcast or you know somebody looking for a Tennessee podcast, spread the word. And we'd be uh, happy to have you guys listen in to us each and every week. All right. Negative niece here in the Section YY8 studios. That's it for this week's show. And we'll see you guys next week here on the Section YY8 podcast. I was dancing with my darling To the Tim Seawaltz With an old friend I happened to see. I introduced him to my loved one, and while they were dancing, my friend stole my sweetheart away. I remember. Only you know how much I have wrong. Guess I lost mine and dirty the night they were playing the beauty of the